we are going to celebrate today not just Easter by music and by these powerful messages that there is hope ahead. That if you are feeling down, there are better days ahead. If you're feeling lonely, there's community ahead. If you're facing struggle, there is a, a whole army of people around you, including God himself, who's going to walk you through that struggle. And this whole message of resurrection is, of course, even beyond the grave. If we're facing loss of a loved one, we're facing our own mortality at times, to be able to look to the message of resurrection and to say there is hope. And that's really what the resurrection message is all about. There is hope. And that hope is based on a, a real event that took place in history. Jesus Christ is not some mythology. He's not some fairy tale. A real human being, a peasant, born in a very despised part of the Roman Empire, someone who's uneducated, but he started a movement of love. And he just taught people, love one another, love one another. For everyone that was rejected, everyone that was outcast, everyone who was sick and considered cursed, Jesus went to them and he loved them and he served them. And he just said, love one another. But people weren't loving one another because they didn't believe God was loving. They were just trapped in the slavery of religion. And if you read the, the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, is really about the slavery of religion then Jesus comes to set them free. And he says, listen, I know you think God is distant. I know you think God is angry. I know you think God is out there and that he's judging you and condemning you. But Jesus says, listen, God is a heavenly father and he loves you and he embraces you and he accepts you. And there's freedom ahead. There's hope ahead. There's resurrection ahead. And so when this Jesus, out of pure love, was murdered because he loved so well, that the corrupt world swallowed him up because a corrupt world full of pride and full of violence, full of greed, swallowed up Jesus. And in fact, in Romans chapter four, it says this, that he was handed over to die because of our sins. The corruption of the world couldn't handle someone so loving and so kind who then started a movement of love. Thousands of people, and they had to put him down. They had to end his life on a cross. But then it goes on to say, he was raised to life, making us right with God. It's the love of God that raised Jesus, his son from the dead. And it's that resurrection that gives us hope in any circumstances. That's it's that resurrection hope that gives us the sense that there's a future. There are better days ahead. There's community ahead. There's love ahead. The same movement that Jesus started 2000 years ago is alive and well today. And we're going to talk about that. First Timothy two says this, he, Jesus gave his life, get this, so that everyone would be free. That's how Jesus lived his life. He embraced everyone. He accepted everyone, all inclusive. Come on in, experience love. And then I'm gonna equip you how to love the world around you. And that's how this place is gonna be changed. So we're gonna talk about this idea that we've been toying with for, for months and months around here, just to put it in four words. The entire message in four words, live free, do good. You're gonna see that everywhere here. Live free, do good. Because Jesus came to set us free from this bondage of believing things about God that just aren't true. So I want to invite a couple of buddies, uh, Steve and Megan, come on up. Uh, you met Steve from Wagar. You met Megan from Worship. Let's welcome them back up here. What's up, bro? How you doing, man? Good. Good, good, good. Well, it's good to see you all. Megan, hurry it up. We don't have a lot, a lot of time. Vitamin Zip D. It. Vitamin D. <laughs> I know, the sun is so good, isn't it? It is nice. See, when we talk about... Oh, what's that, Megan? How long are we to walk? We were, we were, we were starting, <laughs> When you took your time, I see. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, when we talk about freedom, mm -hmm. um, which we do quite a bit around yeah. here, you've got a very specific way of talking about it, that we're free yeah. from something and free to something. Yeah. So what do you mean by that? You know what? I've just been, always been like, kind of blown away by the idea of like, how we think about things and the idea that we are free 
from thinking some terrible things about God and terrible things about God that I think is just continuously put forth. And, and I, I bet you a lot of people out here, when we go through a list of some of these terrible things, it might resonate with you. And, and we realize that we've been raised to think certain ways. And, and I think some of those ways need to change, you know? And so some of the things that we are talking about and thinking about, I, I got a list here, like that God is angry. Sometimes the first thing we think about is that God is angry, that he is just wants to judge us. He wants to condemn us. He's just waiting for us to mess up. And he is an angry God. And that really happens through church a lot. You go to church and, you, and yeah, you're taught, sure. what's that? You're taught that God is angry. In fact, one of the earliest images of God that, that I have in my brain is from when I was in uh, middle school. And now this is 80s territory. So for any of you who were raised in church in the 80s and 90s or even, even 70s, this image that God is angry. He's angry with our failures. He's angry with our sins. And, 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 and that anger defines yeah. who we are to him. It does, you know, and, and it is a very, very, how we think it just in, it impacts us so much, you know? So it is a freedom. We're gonna be talking about a freedom from the brain. We had right. a freedom from how we think about things. The next thing is, is that God's disappointed, which can definitely make, create this guilt and the shame. And um, man, I don't know, I, when I thought of my dad being disappointed in me and the power of just feeling like someone's disappointed in you, that's a pretty heavy thing to just have that continuously placed on you that God is disappointed. He's angry, he's disappointed, he's distant. Um, we even sing songs sometimes, like man, if this idea that he's way out there and you're way out here and the worse you do, the further away he goes. And I, uh, man, just living in that, Man, living in these kinds of ways of thinking about God For is sure. just plays, it plays a, a trick on your brain. It, it does. Really does. And I remember you. one of the phrases in church that I heard probably the most is that sin separates us from God. I heard that a million times. Yeah. And so I think, well, I do things that are wrong, you know, and, and, and I don't always do the right things. And so that means I'm separated from God, like always. Yeah. <laughs> like, these, yeah. these things, like you said, they just, they also, weigh on They me. would also teach the grace part. And so I was, remember being very confused. Yeah. Oh, Am yeah. I a wretched sinner? Does God love me? And am I beautiful? in his eyes. Like, yeah. which one is it? Pick one. I, can't, I don't know. Well, and, and that feeling of separation is real. I mean, that's a result of like, not just sin, but, but what you get just told you over and over and over again. When, when Jesus carried the, the, the weight of sin on the cross, he said, Father, why have they forsaken me? And the Bible is clear that the Father was in Christ reconciling the world. So I think Jesus had this Un, this, as sin was being carried, this understanding that he was far when he wasn't, you know, when God was with him and he, he's with us. And so that distant thing is a, is a big deal. God is condemning and vengeful, <laughs> right? So all this stuff just becomes this, you know, I mean, it, it just builds on top of each other to where finally you just realize, well, how does God think about me? He wants to condemn me. He's vengeful. He's, he, he needs to get that anger out. And that, that's a pretty heavy thing to carry I, I, as well. I, I remember feeling that, you know, if I messed up, you know, again, a, kind of a church kid from middle school. If I messed up, God would not answer my prayers. Right. If I messed up, yeah. he'd, he'd mess with my life. And, and over time, you, you, you kind of play that game long enough, going through, say, your high school years, you get into college. And for a lot of people, I'm just done with it. I'm done always feeling like I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm done always feeling like a failure. I'm never going to be, I'm never going to measure up or I got to lie about it yeah. and say, oh yeah, I am doing good. And, and yeah, I'm not doing the things I'm not supposed to do. And, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good Christian, you know, man or woman, you just, you're just done. And, and, and there's a better way ahead that those are terrible things to believe about God. They're just not yeah. true. Yeah. And the final thing that really is always that, that God is exclusive. And so like 
you're in with God by thinking the right things or believing the right things or doing the right things, all this kind of stuff. And it's almost like Jesus came to make God even more exclusive. Right. And I mean, and these thoughts, it could be damaging. I mean, it could be damaging and it could cause you to just feel like you're never right. You're never at a good place. God's just always waiting for you to clean up your act. And Dallas Willard said something I just love where he said, the greatest freedom we have is the freedom to set our mind on certain things. And so when I think about freedom, what I'm free from, I just, I just think about that idea of being free from this terrible view of God. That I, I just can't help but believe that Jesus came to clear that up, right? I mean, he came to clear that up, and that is a big deal. Galatians 5.1, which is the verse that really has gotten me thinking, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And that starts with how we think. I mean, repentance in a lot of ways is changing the way we think about things. And, and so, a lot of times people say like, well, well, God, Jesus got mad. He turned over the tables. He, he spoke some very strong and stern warnings. But if you look at those things, that was all towards who? It wasn't towards the sinner. And just an, it was towards the religious people right. that were putting people in bondage, that were making God seem far that was making God seem distant, that was making God seem angry. That's exactly what Jesus said. And, and so the idea that Jesus or God's angry at us, I just think is ludicrous, you know? It, 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 Jesus came to show us that he loves us and that he wants to walk with us. And so, you know, Matthew talked about, Jesus said in Matthew 23, they crush people with their unbearable religious demands and then they never lift a finger. So... You know, just getting that clearer, you talk about that so much, God, and I always love that, man. You, you, you really have even helped me see that more and more, of that, that idea that Jesus was looking at those that were making people feel like that list. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, make me, you make God seem like that list, you're one that Jesus was talking 100%. about. It's an interesting thing. Even this last week, uh, Richard Rohr posted something that I thought was genius. He says there's two kinds of messages when it comes to freedom. One is to tell those in bondage, they know they're in bondage, that they can be free. Mm. And so even today, I mean, there are probably hundreds of people here who are living in that kind of bondage. They perhaps were raised in church because sadly, often the more you're in church, the more you believe terrible things about God. Yeah. Because, yourself. yeah, go ahead. And, and yourself. yourself. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. terrible yeah. things about totally. God and terrible things about yourself. Yeah. And, and so there's, that, there's that, that bondage that is given to people in religious environments in church. The very thing that Jesus came to set us free from churches that carry his name are actually heaping that bondage on. Is like, God is good, you're not, do better. Yeah. That's just church. God's good, you're not, do better. That's slavery. And, and the impact of that is not only on our relationship with God, but then now that is the definition of how I'm supposed to be to others. Yeah. Now it's like, you know, a honey, wife, husband, I need you to perform for me. Kids, you need to perform for me. Everything is always performance-based. That's the slavery instead of just enjoying this pure love. So Richard Rohr says, you know, telling people who, are, who know they're in bondage, they can be free, which we're doing today. If you're feeling like this, you believe these terrible things about God and about yourself, you can believe something different today. You can believe freedom. We'll talk about that here in a minute. The harder thing that Richard Rohr says is telling those who think they're free that they're actually in bondage. And these are religious leaders who believe they're doing the right thing because they're obeying the commandments, supposedly, because they're kind of standing up for God's righteousness or justice, or you know, they're, they're, they're kind of defending God's honor and they, and they want people to believe that God is mad at the world and God needs to punish the world or he's going to punish the world and the end is near. I mean, it's just sourness, right? And uh, Megan, you talk about this a lot, that in today's day and age, there's just this sour religious 
you know, you've heard kind of resting frowny face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, it's that's that's a lot of the Christian church that's is just right. angry. Yeah, pointing fingers and just yeah. mad and hanging on every word that their other the politician they hate says. Right. Like, put it down. <laughs> right. Put it down from it. Sorry. Well, that's that. So let's let's move to the freedom part here because there's right. a better way yeah. of believing about God. Yeah, you know, and so you, you get to the cross and 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 you start realizing that the cross wasn't about. And this this one took me a long time to like really wrestle through. It wasn't about God changing His mind about us. You see, when you, when you go through that list, you think that God has to change His mind about us because He's angry and distant. But you know, it was about God us changing our mind about God. Jesus was revealing. God to us. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's a pretty powerful statement, you know? And so you begin to see that he wants to renew our minds. I mean, that's all over the scriptures, the renewing of our minds that the spirit does. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives within us to renew our minds. So, so the list might look like this, right? Going from the, you know, from angry God to God is kind. That might not sit well with a lot of people. I mean, that idea that God is kind, it just doesn't know. He's not kind, he's mad, you know? And, and that's an interesting thought, but it's the goodness and kindness of God Paul talked about that leads us to repentance, yeah, you know? Yeah, it's just hard to, it's hard to think. It was hard for me to think of God that way yeah. for a while. Yeah. And, I would, and people would say it. And it's funny when people preach, no offense, sometimes I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that part doesn't make sense. And I cut that out and then I hang to whatever. And so I would hang to the part that made more sense, that God was telling me what to do, I needed to obey, and this and that. The part of God loves you unconditionally, and God is kind, and God is peace, and all this yeah. stuff, was I was like, eh. yeah. they, I couldn't reconcile them. Well, and that's, the hard part is trying to merge the bad view of God with the good view of God. Yeah. Right. So really, freedom is to say, I don't believe this anymore. I don't believe that God is angry. I don't believe God is disappointed. I don't believe it anymore. Yeah. I don't believe I'm distant from God. That's hard to do, because we yeah. feel... We feel the guilt and we feel the, the, the kind of the pressure that maybe religious, our religious past put on us or just a, a conscience that, that feels guilty um, to be able to believe something different, to believe that God is kind. And the list goes on, right? Yeah. Well, and like you said, though, like what we think about God affects how we look at other people. And when, we, see, when you guys talked earlier about that Christians don't seem that kind, well, yeah, because we're becoming like the God that we've been taught about. Exactly. So not just kind, but God is accepting. He, I mean, God cares. Well, you're going to talk about that. I mean, God cares about what we do, of course. But he accepts us right where we are. Whew, that, that is just a power. <laughs> you know, that, that's a hard one to swallow. I mean, a hard well, one to swallow. Because most, most people have this understanding that, well, God wants me to be better. Right. He wants me to meet the standard. Yeah. And he doesn't want you to meet the standard. That's, yeah. not, that's not the goal. The goal is for us to, to enjoy his kindness to enjoy that we're accepted. And when we enjoy that, then our life really starts to change for the better. Yeah. Not because we're obligated by religious rules, but because there's a relationship there. And it's just lonely and hard when we try to fix ourselves before we come to God. Yeah. And then how long do we do that for? And then we try to, like you said, fix those around us. Right. And so then we're just mm -hmm. walking in this cycle of fixing others, fixing myself. And God's just sitting there like, I don't need you to do any of that. Yeah, that's exactly right. Oh, man, to think of the human desire just to be accepted as they are. I mean, that, that's what marriage should be about, right? I mean, that, that's where the rubber meets the road. It's like you're, you're declaring someone perfect to you, even though we all know we're not. 
That is a life changer. That's a life changer. Except okay, so we have God is forgiving. You know, failures don't separate us. Man, the Bible talks over and over again that he is long suffering. He is forgiving. He forgives over and over and over. I mean, the idea of how forgiving God is, is a, an amazing, beautiful thing. Nothing can separate us. <sighs> Nothing can separate us. The Bible says, where can you go from his presence? You know, it's like, you can't go anywhere. So that idea that we try to create in our minds, it's in our minds, this separation. Paul said that God gives everyone life, breath, and everything else. So, so there is this way closer than we can ever imagine, right? And that is a, a beautiful shift. God is patient. Whew, the idea that he is patient and patient and his patient will never run out. He is, his endure, his love will never quit. That's what the scriptures talk about. And that is uh, beautiful. He knows we're all on a journey. And yeah, I love that. God is love. God is love. He's not eager to condemn and to show vengeance. God is love. And when you think about it, God does things we can look at. But when it says God is, I think the most definitive statement is, is love. And that's the one we should like hang our hats on, yeah. you know, and, and really see that is the ultimate expression, you know. And then God is for us. You talk about that a lot, Scott. You know, like God is for us, God is for us, you know. And so today's Easter, you know, today's Easter, we're celebrating this resurrection, you know, that puts this explanation point on these things, that the things that Jesus taught and the things that Jesus showed us, what was shown on the cross when Jesus made these, like, I think it was probably like three, four, five years ago where Jesus's definitive statements, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. That definitive statement, today you'll be with me in paradise. That definitive statement, it is finished. Like that became the clearest expression of God's love and, and the character of God right there on the cross. And then he raises from the dead as an explanation point, goes, listen to that, pay attention to that. That can change the way you think Absolutely. and that can change the way you see things and now live into that and it will change the way you see others as well. I mean, it's, it's well, Let's talk about that. Let's, let's talk about the change that comes as a result of this freedom. When we say in our minds, because we've got to push past these emotions, right? My emotions are telling me that I should feel guilty, that I should feel ashamed, that I should feel separate from God, that God is his ominous judge and he'll mess with my life if I'm bad. To, to deny all that and to say, I'm going to believe something different. I'm going to believe something that is freeing, that God is loving, that God is, is near me, that God is with me, that he is for me, that God lives for my benefit. I mean, that is something that's so wild for people. That God lives for our benefit, the, the giving of Jesus for our benefit, the death of Jesus for our benefit, resurrection of Jesus for our benefit. Now that does something to us. So we have this live free, and then we have do good, yeah. do good. Now, Megan, you've spent a lot of your life in ministry, kind of mobilizing people, equipping leaders to do good in this world, locally and, and internationally. Uh, you've been the executive director of our community mission of hope, our rescue mission. Uh, so much you've led to do good, but you also have a warning about that do good <laughs> statement. What is that? Yeah, I feel like, you know, we just spent a couple minutes on live free, and then when we move on into the do good, that people are just going to, like, perk up, like, okay, now what do I have to do? Right. Because <laughs> we're, we're yeah, just... That, like, that question right like, off the bat just shows a different That's just, like, human nature yeah. of, like, okay, yeah, that live free stuff is nice, but I don't, that's how I was. Like, okay, live free, whatever. Okay, what do I do? I got to do good? Okay, that's how I'm going to do, because we just continually feel like we have to be living this life that's acceptable to God. And so... Um, I just think like that's so important for us. I love Galatians 5. So in, in Galatians it says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. Hmm. 
don't get tied up again in slavery to religious rules. And I just think like if we're not careful, then we're just going to trade in like our bad moral behavior for like this perfectionism, striding, like look good, always wear a smile. You know, I always tell people like Christians don't have to always just be this like nice, you know, I'm not always nice. <laughs> Yeah, that is, uh, I, I mean, totally you guys would know. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, she is not. I always felt nice. that. I mean, I respect you, but it doesn't mean I have to walk around smiling at you. You know, like there's a difference, and there's just, especially as a woman, there's just like this this thing that you have to just carry and just be so gentle and just be so, you know, and and so anyway, it, it's just not not trading one for the other. And it says in Galatians, if you're led by the Spirit then you're not under religious laws. And, and Paul also talks about, you know, by the spirit, we're, we're released from, our, from the slavery of sin, but also from the slavery of religious rules. So oftentimes we give up the one and then we just become a terrible person <laughs> trying to strive for the other one. And then we just get mean. And that's what we were talking about earlier. Like so much of Christianity today is just like, like what I see is so many people just being mean, just being bullies, just being pointing out what every single, what you believe is wrong, what this guy says is wrong, what this thing, I mean, just constantly like, and that's not hope. That's not the hope of the resurrection. Like we're supposed to be, that's not freedom. So we got to like really take root. And I think the important thing to know is like, y'all aren't going to leave today and be like, oh, I, I, I accept all of that and I'm going to live free. Totally got it. It's, it <laughs> says right here to be led by the spirit into that. And so I think it's a daily choice almost. Like sometimes we have to walk in forgiveness. I think we have to walk in freedom and it's uncomfortable. And I think that we can, in, in spending time with Jesus, our relationship with Jesus, you know, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing but abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. And abide just means stay with so just stay with Jesus. Um, and then it says, you know, God has united you with Christ and Jesus for our benefit. Christ has made us right with God. And so we don't have to, you know, do like you were saying. We don't perform. have to do anything right. or perform anything. We can really just stay in that relationship with Jesus and allow him. And really that freedom is just is huge. It's huge. And it's really about enjoying that relationship with God, that spirit-to-spirit relationship with God. That's by grace. And so when we say live free, do good, we cannot ever forget that freedom. And, and that's one of the you know, reasons for doing church every week is like just to constantly weekly remind ourselves we are free. So you come to church with all these burdens, all this you know, maybe guilt or I could do better and performance-based world that we live in and just come and rest and smile and relax and enjoy the acceptance that comes from God and enjoy accepting each other. So when we say do good, it's not another list of things to do. We're clear about that. But when we embrace the love and grace that God has for us, that does over time have an impact on how we treat others. So how would you define like that doing good part? Yeah, so I would say it, first we have to define the motivation. And so, you know, when I was like probably 30, like I had grown, I started serving you made me start stacking chairs in seventh grade. <laughs> You're a good worker. Because so, yeah. I, I was obeying. I was trying to yes. be obedient. That's what I was taught. And so... I just kind of, from that point on, I've just been serving, 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 serving. And a lot of it was good work, and I loved serving other people. But I remember when I was doing, I was reading the book of Daniel, like probably in my early 30s, or barely 30. And it said, Daniel obeyed out of his love for God. And I just sat back, and I was like, I don't obey out of love. I obey because that's what everyone told me to do. And that's what's easy. And so that just kind of struck me. And then there was a time, like maybe a year later, where I just found myself out of all ministries and not even going to church on Sunday morning um, just because of circumstances. 
And I just, if you would have asked me while I was doing all that good, all that good, um, if I believed God, lo- like God loved me because I do- was doing good, I would have absolutely said no. Like I knew the, the lingo. And I knew like, no, God does, God's love is not wrapped up in what mm. I'm doing. But then when I found myself not serving in any ministry and not attending church on Sunday, I had an absolute identity crisis. And I just thought, it wasn't even a thought. It was just this like overwhelming, there's no way God loves a person who's doing nothing, who's just sitting and, and, not, part, and not doing anything. And so from there, this kind of relationship kind of, because it's a journey. We're all on a journey, right? And just this relationship started to form with God. I, I began to feel his acceptance because I was doing, there's nothing, there nothing else for me to do for him to accept me. And so I just began to feel his love, his acceptance for, for just nothing. And that's true freedom, right? True, true freedom yeah. is when you, are, when you know God requires nothing of us. Yeah. He doesn't require us to believe the right things, to do the right things, to do all the right, you know, uh, live the right moral way and do all the, you know, disciplines of church. He requires nothing. He just wants us to enjoy being loved by him. Yeah. And, and when we can rest in that, then, then true love happens where we can start loving other people. And that's really what the do good is. Not a list of, th- of stuff, not overextending yourself in church or volunteers or not going to a third world country. We don't have any signups to do good today. <laughs> But it's just this idea of I get to enjoy God's love for me, and so I can enjoy loving other people. If I can say one thing real quick, because that that is hard in our culture. I mean, our culture defines us by how we perform. We define ourselves how we perform, what I drive, what I do, successes I have. And I don't know if that's part of like, it's a big circle, (laughs) you know, like which came first, the chicken or the egg in this. But it is hard, man. It, it is hard to let go of that. And I think it's interesting, Megan, that you talked about you had this season where you didn't do anything. Sometimes I have found people have to stop doing things right. to come into the freedom, yeah. to be able to start doing things again in that freedom yeah. instead of to earn that freedom. And it's, it, sometimes until you go through that, you don't see it. And, and it's, it's a hard journey like to to come to that and really be honest with yourself where you're at and why you're doing what you're doing. Right. And today we were in Galatians 5. That's kind of where this a lot of this is coming from. And I love this was my favorite part of Galatians out of the message. It says, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. Mm. And I just think that is so huge because I think when we have that slavery, you know, that verse at the top that said, you know, be, be careful of who puts that that those religious rules on you. If I'm under religious rules, I'm putting that on you. And if I have to do something a certain way, I'm going to have, I'm going to put that on you. Like you, you were saying that too, you know, about your wife and your kids. But when I'm free, then that's also what I'm bringing to you. And that's what I want for other people. And I just want, and I just am free to accept other people. It's stressful trying to keep other people accountable. (laughs) Like that's stressful trying to be other people's Holy Spirit, like yeah. pointing out, oh, you're supposed to, do it. you know, it's like, I've had to just completely let that go. It's so freeing yeah. for mm. me to not be worrying about what other people are doing, but just to love them and just to serve them. It's just this incredible thing. Yeah. And like this doing good, like you said, it doesn't have to be, you know, oh, where do I sign up? Where do I go? What do I do? And I think eventually it becomes that. But it starts just within your home. Like it just starts with being okay in this freedom and then bringing that to your family, to your kids, to your spouse and just accepting them for who they are. Just being patient and kind. Like you were talking about those attributes of God, you know, and just, and the fruits of the spirit are just, you know, like 
Well, you're going to talk about those. But. Well, let's, <laughs> let, let's end on this, on this note. Yes. The fruit of the Spirit. This is the fruit of a, enjoying a relationship with God, spirit-to-spirit yes. relationship with God. It's not a whole bunch of burdens, right? It's, the, it's freedom. The fruit of the Spirit oh. is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, hmm. goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are, are things we don't have to strive to do. We don't sign up for this. But this is what happens to us over time from the inside out when we stop believing the terrible things about God and start believing the freeing things about God. I am loved, I'm accepted, I'm embraced, I'm forgiven. This kind of life will start to emerge. You know, we got to wrap. One thing I want to yes. say on this, if that's the fruit of the Spirit, then that's the definition of God because yeah. the Spirit is God. Right. Right. Yeah. And what a, what a beautiful definition. Yeah. Not just what we do, but who God is. For sure. 